Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
לעולם כולו בכבודך איי ונעשה על כל הארץ בעיקרך
חדש, תהיל אל אלוקינו, והייתם בפי. שיר חדש, תהיל אל אלוקינו, והייתם בפי. שיר חדש, שיר חדש, תהיל אל אלוקינו, והייתם בפי. שיר חדש, תהיל אל אלוקינו. יראו רבים ויראו.
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. How you doing, everybody? Final Shabbos of 5781. Can you believe it? Time flies, doesn't it? Happy anniversary to Lizzie and Yosef. It was one year ago they got married on September the 3rd on a Thursday night. Is that amazing? Is that unbelievable? Yeah. That is pretty, pretty amazing and pretty unbelievable. Time flies, and here we are at the final Shabbos of 5781. Parshas Nitzavim. Uh, by the way, as you probably noticed, I've read this. <laughs> I mean, this has been a habit of mine now for the last two weeks or so. If, if in two weeks one can, in fact, start a habit, 
Um, I have been uh, rediscovering certain albums, uh, courtesy of Dr. David Hershorn. I rediscovered Yehuda Glantz's album. Um, I rediscovered the Elul album from Yishai Rebo. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we've uh, incorporated into our into our playlist recently. So yesterday, I rediscovered a bunch of albums by Mayor Sherman from years ago. So here's the playlist. Here's what you just heard. Eitan Freilich's Yom Zemechubad, Mayor Sherman with Hatov and Od Yishama, Kedei, done by Mordechai Shapiro, Avram Rosenblum Shir Chadash, Yehuda Glantz and Yibane, Maloch from Yishai Rebo, Shlomo Kalbach's Hanashamalach, Pumpadisa with Elul, L'chaim and Bosh Shabbos, done by Yaakov Shweki off the brand new album, Mayor Sherman with Maloch and Curry Bone, and Regesh with Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's JMAM Friday on this September the 3rd, day 26. In the month of Elul, the year 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. Today's the 26th of Elul? Yeah, I guess so. 26th of Elul. Wow. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim, candle lighting in New York, 7.04. 7.04, your official candle lighting time in New York City, 7.04. Um, Monday is Labor Day. Monday is uh, also Erev Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about... Um, we are talking about a... Um, An, an interesting and unusual combination. Labor Day, Erev Rosh Hashanah. This coming Monday is also my 38th anniversary at JM in the AM, believe it or not, which is hard for me to believe. It was Erev Rosh Hashanah. I think it was September 7th, but hey, you know, September 6th is good enough. <laughs> Erev Rosh Hashanah, 38 years ago that I spoke for the first time on what would eventually be called JM in the AM, which is um, amazing. I, I can't, honestly, I can't get over it. 38 years. And if you count the two previous years at WYUR, <clears throat> we're talking about 40-year anniversary this coming Monday, and I thank you, all of you. The listeners and supporters make make it happen and continue to make it happen. And I can't thank you enough. 62 degrees with 72% humidity. Winds are north at 4 miles per hour. Had a sukkus feel outside when I was walking to the studio this morning. Yeah, 62. It had a, a little, it started to resemble sukkus weather uh, this morning. Mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 77. Then tonight, clouds, low 61. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high Shabbos, 80 degrees. Pretty good weather here in this area now. Uh, 84 in Yerushalayim, 62 here in New York City. A lot of people are in very difficult circumstances in this area and really throughout the entire eastern part of the United States. People have lost homes. People have lost cars. Some people have lost lives, which is just horrifying. Um, and uh, there's a lot of water damage to a lot of property, and uh, and there are people without power. My point is there are a lot of folks who on this Erev Shabbos, as we approach Erev Rosh Hashanah, which is Monday, need a lot of help before the holidays. So please pay careful attention to those who are in need, in need of something, in need of some gesture, in need of some money. Please keep in mind people, uh, there are a lot of people in our community, and our community has responded in an unbelievable way as usual, as you would suspect. 
Uh, but still, very often, um, individual neighbors and friends um, get lost in the cracks or fall through the cracks. And um, it, it's really vital and important that we keep in mind those who are in very difficult situations after this devastating storm. Uh, here in New York and New Jersey, there are some homeless people, Dafka because of the storm, homes that were destroyed, uh, people without um, cars and supplies, and uh, some people without electricity at this point. So um, this storm, which just completely ravaged the area on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and and then subsequently caused so much flooding in so many areas of the city and beyond. Um, uh, this storm has uh, has left its mark, and we have to leave our mark in terms of doing good things for others and helping them out during these situations. Whatever you could do to help, uh, just keep on doing. A lot of people in our community are being commended for the way they're stepping up both as individuals and as groups, to uh, help save people during this very, very sensitive time. Um, fits right into our Elul Chesed campaign. Never th- thought the month of Elul would have a uh, would have an episode like this, but in fact we have, and now it is time to uh, step up and help people, especially on this era of Shabbos, where just a few dollars or just a few gestures or just a... Uh, a few words can mean such a difference to people who are in difficult circumstances. Families, single parents and their children, single neighbors, single friends. Just uh, be there be there for others during our Elul Chesed campaign. Uh, coming up, both Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will have uh, something to say about Parshas Nitzavim, the final Shabbos of the year. Uh, Harry at about the 710, or by Uden at about 815. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us. We have a uh, segment that we try to do every single week. Last week I had foot surgery, so we weren't able to do it, but we have a segment we do every week called the Weekly Update. And uh, this week there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of news to talk about. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about this week. Uh, so we'll do that at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time. And obviously great music, our news from Israel coming up, and uh, a full day on our network. Brand new edition of Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. 10 a.m. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show, a spectacular show this week. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis Sunday morning, JM Sunday. Monday, I am here with JM in the AM. Mark Zamek is preparing a playlist, a playlist, a play on the word playlist, a playlist for Monday's uh, Nahum Siegel Network programming. I mean, we're talking about from 9 a.m. until candle lighting time, you are going to have appropriate selections for the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Stick with us all weekend long and all Monday, Erev Yontif long. At the Nahum Siegel Network, you'll be glad you did. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the Nahum Siegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And then uh, and then plenty more between now and 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman, brand new with Table for Two. Brand new Table for Two on this practical era of Rosh Hashanah. 
uh, coming up uh, at 9 a.m. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbat Show at 10 o'clock. Interesting. That's funny they said Sheva Babokir when here it's Sheva Babokir. How do you like that? Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos follows next. We say Bokir Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Shashtayim, Baulpan, Iran, Kurtzim, Mashikore, Achshav. פרטים נוספים מתחקיר צהל האירוע בו נורא למוות סמל ראשון בראל חדריה שמואלי זיכרונו לברכה. על פי התחקיר רק לאחר שקבוצה של כמעד 200 מתפרעים התקרבה לגדר, מפקד החטיבה, אלוף משנה יואב ברונר, החליט לשפר עמדות לפנים, להתקרב לחומת הגבול ולפרוס צלפים בעמדות הקדמיות. במסקנות נמצא כי הייתה שגיאה בהצבת הלוחמים צמוד לחומת קרני ובחרחי הירי, בזמן שהעמון הגיע צמוד לחומה. עם זאת הרמטכ"ל קבע שהוראות הפתיחה באש אפשרו את ביצוע המשימה והסרת איום מסכן חיים. גם סמל ראשון שמואלי עצמו ירה לעבר המתפרעים לפני שנורא, וכן נעשו שני ניסיונות לחטוף את נשקו. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. רסיסים מטיל הנ"מ הסורי שהתפוצץ הלילה מעל הים באזור גוש דן נפלו בשכונת מגורים בתל אביב. מדובר צה"ל נמסר שטיל קרקע אוויר שוגר במהלך הלילה משטח סוריה לשטח ישראל. הטיל התפוצץ מעל הים ולכן על פי המדיניות לא הופעלה התרעה. סוכנות הידיעות של סוריה דיווחה הלילה על תקיפה המיוחסת לישראל באזור דמשק. על פי הדיווחים הותקפו מתקני הפיתוח של מיזם דיוק טילים סמוך לבירה. בית משפט השלום בחיפה העריך את מעצרו של תושב הקריות בן 28, מורה לריקוד במקצועו, החשוד בביצוע עבירות מין בנערה בת 17 לפני מספר שנים בעת שהייתה תלמידתו. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל מוסר כי מעצרו הוארך עד יום שני, ובית המשפט אסר על פרסום שמו של החשוד או כל פרט אחר בתיק. רמטכ"ל צבא איראן לשעבר, חסן פירוזבדי, מת היום מנגיף הקורונה, כך מדווחים כלי תקשורת ברפובליקה האסלאמית. פירוזבדי, שהיה בן 70 במותו, פיקד על צבא איראן במשך 27 שנים עד 2016, והיה מקורב מאוד למנהיג העליון חמינאי. מחסור חמור בדגים. רגע לפני ראש השנה, יבואני הדגים קיבלו הודעה מהווטרינרים בתחנות ההסגר. לפיה ביום ראשון נשבתו הרופאים הווטרינרים בשירות המדינה. עקב כך לא ישוחררו משלוחי דגים שהגיעו מחוץ לארץ. כתבתנו לענייני צרכנות עינב קרנר שהביאה את הפרטים לראשונה מוסרת שלפי הערכות צפויים להגיע ארצה מחר וביום ראשון יותר מ-200 טון דגים, חלקם טריים, שתוקפם עד יום רביעי לכל היותר. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עד בהיר, ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות במהלך סוף השבוע. אלה החדשות.
The flowers and the trees Sing the song of Shabbos The valley and the mountains Sing the song of Shabbos And I am also His long and curly hair Stood there for a while Broke out with a smile 
emotion, overwhelming joy with tears. The men were dancing there, their hearts so full of love. They sang such happy tunes to thank the one above for showing them the way, for giving them a day to rest, rejoice with peace of mind to pray. Sunsets over the clouds As the world stands so still Not a sound But listen carefully You can hear the whispering Announcing the arrival Of the Shabbos Queen The candles reflecting the joy On the faces of every girl and boy Mother prays there silently Children sing As the Shekhinah descends To fill the world with peace Sun in me from the dark Comes my Shabbos, my spark And it's holiness lights up my soul It's a treasure that makes me feel whole And my spirits soar Cause my heart feels at home And on each Friday night I can close my eyes tight I can picture it so vividly I can taste the geula so sweet It's the time God made and my Nishama Going away, 
sky's getting dark, it's the end of the day. Oh, Shabbos, you really should know. We're sorry to see you go. But you will come back next week, we know. You will come back, for we love you so. So let us thank Hashem, who will bring Shabbos J.M. and the A.M. Baruch Levine from the Off the Record uh, series with uh, the Shabbos medley. Friday morning, J.M. and the A.M. on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Nitzavim, final Shabbos of 5781. Candle lighting 704 in New York, 704. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Monday is Labor Day. It's also Erev Rosh Hashanah. We will be here. Matis is on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. of Rummy tomorrow night, full day today, including our presentation of Naomi Nachman's brand new Table for Two coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. At 10 a.m., it's Mark Zamek with the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Then it's our Erev Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Then it's our final hour at about 6 p.m., brought to you by the final, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, it's all happening all day long. There's no reason to touch that dial. You just keep it here all day long. You'll be so happy. You'll be so thrilled with our programming. Simple as that. Uh, this coming Matzei Shabbos, Dear Shoe presents Vision and Inspiration, a riveting video cast featuring Gedola Yisrael addressing Klal Yisrael in his preparation for the Yamim Narayim. In addition to the Gedola Yisrael and their presentations, the video cast program will feature inspirational Yamim Narayim Nagunim, footage from a recent trip to the Chavetz Chaim's Kever and Rodden, and a brand new music video by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. A comprehensive video cast premiering this Matzei Shabbos at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, DearShoeCast.org. Deershoecast.org for information. Again, that's happening tomorrow night. So keep that in mind. Um, Deershoecast.org. Deershoecast.org. Our friends at Gaia Coffee want to make sure you have what you need for a Shoshana and Sukkot. It's literally a coffee bag like a tea bag would operate. It's a coffee bag that when you drop it in the uh, in the uh, glass of hot water and let it steep for a couple of minutes, you end up with a fresh brewed cup of coffee. I mean, this thing tastes just like a fresh brewed cup of coffee. I've had it. It's pretty amazing. Check it out. You can order it online right now with promo code radio. Order it online with promo code radio for your 15% discount. Order it online right now with promo code radio for a 15% percent discount gaiacoffee.com g-a-i-a coffee.com g-a-i-a 
coffee.com. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman, kosher hot dog sausage in Delhi, is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM, getting close to Rosh Hashanah, and our good friend Harry Rothenberg has something to say about the upcoming holiday, the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, here he is on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. One of the most difficult stories to understand in all of human history occurs in chapter 11 of the book of Judges, Shoftim. We're told about Yiftach, who's booted from his home by his half-brothers, takes up with a bunch of ruffians, but then the Jews in his old town are in trouble. And so they come to him, he's a pretty powerful guy, and they say, listen, we've got a very strong enemy, we need you. And he says, all right, I'll do this, but it's not going to be a one-off. If I win, I'm the leader going forward. They have no choice. They say, okay. And so he takes over and he prays to God before the big battle. And he says, God, if you deliver the enemy into my hand, I'm taking a vow. The first thing when I get home that comes out to greet me will be for you. I'll bring it as a sacrifice. He wins the war. He comes home and the first thing that comes out to greet him is his daughter, his only child. He has to break the news to her. Most commentators say that he didn't end up killing her as a sacrifice, God forbid, but she did have to live the rest of her life in seclusion. Couldn't get married. The question, of course, is what was he thinking? You want to bring a sacrifice? Great. Just say the first animal that comes out of my house to greet me or just walks out or that I see will be a carbon, will be a sacrifice. Why say the first thing that comes out of my house to greet me, which can include animal or human? I heard a great explanation once. He knew what his relationship was with his wife, and in particular, with his only daughter. He knows what's gonna happen. He's gonna come home like he always does. He's gonna yell up to his daughter, whatever her name was, let's make one up, Leah. Leah, I'm home, no answer. Leah, I'm home, no answer. Eventually, she'll take the headphones off of her head. Yeah, dad, I'm home. Maybe come downstairs and say hello. Uh, I'm busy, dad, I'm filming a TikTok video or whatever. He knows one thing. There's no way, there's no possibility that she's going to come out to greet him, let alone the way she's described. She came out to greet him dancing with drums. Big celebration. How excited. How could that be? In his mind, it wasn't possible. They didn't have that type of relationship. She wouldn't give him the time of day, let alone come out to greet him with dances and drums. What happened was, which he didn't account for, which he didn't realize could happen, is that she's at home. And if it was nowadays, what happened was, in effect, her phone blew up. The internet broke. Her father is no longer a bad boy ruffian, and nobody, he's a conquering war hero. He's the general. They're making a parade for him down Main Street. Wow, I gotta go out to greet him for the first time ever. So it wasn't a possibility in his mind. That's why he made the vow that way. He didn't realize he was a new, better, improved person. What a lesson on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, the eve of the High Holidays, when we're about to crown God as the king, recognize that it's up to him if we're going to live another year, and our judgment's coming soon after on Yom Kippur. We can say to him, God, I'm asking you for another year, not for the old me, but for the new me that I'm determined to be. I'm not sure yet how I'm going to do it. It'll be small steps, small increments, 
but I'm determined to be better. Same reason why people will say, why should I keep praying for something for days, weeks, months, years on end if God's not giving it to me? And the answer is because if you continue to improve while you pray, then each day the person asking for that item is not the same person who asked yesterday. And so let's make that commitment at a minimum, even if it's just expressing the sincere desire in our own heads, I want to be better. God, give me another chance. Give me another year. Hatzlacha. Good luck to all of us this Rosh Hashanah. Hopefully we'll all have a much happier and much healthier new year this year.
شام روب
J.M. in the A.M. with our friends from Aish. It's called Rachamana. Before that, Schlock Rock with Kel Adon. The Tfilot Shabbat medley was done by Micha Gamrim. And Malcolm Honline coming up. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll talk about the events of these past couple of weeks. And boy, these past couple of weeks have had some events. <laughs> they certainly have had some events. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim. Candle lighting at 7.04 in New York. Monday's Erev Rosh Hashanah. We're here on Monday. My 38th anniversary of JM in the AM coming up Monday, both on the Jewish and secular calendars. Pretty cool, and I thank everybody for their good wishes. This coming Matzei Shabbos, Deershu presents Vision and Inspiration, a riveting video cast featuring Gedoli Yisrael addressing Klal Yisrael and its preparation for the Yomim Noroyim. In addition to the Gedoli Yisrael and their presentations, the video cast program will feature inspirational Yomim Noroyim Nagunim, footage from a recent trip to the Chavetz Chaim's Kever in Rodin, and a brand new music video by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Comprehensive video cast premieres this Matzei Shabbos at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, ca- Eastern Time at DeershoeCast.org. That's DeershoeCast.org. Special shout-out to our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. They are open until 5 p.m. today. All their departments uh, with a... Um, with a uh, With a full array of everything you need for Yuntif. I'm talking about everything. From new fruit platters to uh, all the honey you can imagine, <laughs> the delicious meat and chicken, uh, sushi bar, nut factory, phenomenal bakery, Ossie's Fish. It's all there at Aaron's Casino Farms on Casino Boulevard in Queens. Go to casinofarms.com for information. CasinoFarms.com for information open until 5 p.m. today. Um, and then late hours is coming Sunday as well. As we get closer and closer to the Yontif. Shabbat Shalom and Shana Tova from AJA Carpool number 204. Thank you, listener, Daniel and company. Happy 38th. Who gave the show the very unique... Oh, JM in the AM? Uh, the show was actually named when we when we went for the name change at that time in the 1980s. It was named Jewish Music in the Morning, eventually Jewish Moments in the Morning. But I think when we named it Jewish Music in the Morning, we came up with um, JM the AM right away. Like it just, it just made sense. Long time ago, lots of memories, long time. We should continue to go forward and uh, make an impact out there. Uh, don't forget our friends at Karen Ashvias as the Shemitah year is about to begin. The Shemitah observant farmer generates no profit for a year and literally goes further into debt as he pays for a lease on his land, pays off his loans, pays his machinery, pays his staff. You can determine uh, how many farmers will be able to keep Shemitah through Karen Hashvias by giving at KarenHashvias.org, KarenHashvias.org, or by dialing 888-675-6694, 888-675-6694. Six six nine four. Brand new edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman coming up at nine a.m. Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, hosted by Mark Zamek at ten a.m. Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem coming up all day long. Final hour at six p.m. Eastern. 
brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel. Matis Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time with JM Sunday. There is no reason to touch that dial. Keep it right here at JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Shame in the end with Slimy Gertner. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim, final Shabbos of 5781. We will ask Malcolm for his end of year message coming up, in addition to um, speaking about the news from the last couple of weeks. Labor Day is Erev Rosh Hashanah. This coming Monday, we are here <clears throat> between 6 and 9. And as I said, Mark Zamek is uh, curating a a playlist, as he calls it, <laughs> an amazing playlist. He calls it a playlist of great Rosh Hashanah and Yom Narayim selections that will be airing all through Monday, so you literally could turn us on Monday morning on Labor Day era of Rosh Hashanah and just keep us on all the way until candlelighting time. Simple as that. And 
We hope you do. Malcolm Holine is executive. Oh, before we go to Malcolm, a, a reminder and a thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. A reminder that if you're looking to print out before Shabbos and before Yontif thousands of articles having to do with Israel and the Jewish world, and then studying them with great concentration over the uh, Shabbos or holiday, make sure to go there at some point uh, either today or before Yontif uh, to JewishWorldReview.com. You'll find uh, plenty of articles and opinion pieces about this amazing world of ours. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us on Friday mornings here for the weekly update at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. Appreciate that. I don't know how many people listening around the country and around the world realize what happened here in this area over the last few days. Uh, our communities and many other communities were affected by uh, this storm, I, I guess. Uh, I guess one of the things you and a Jewish leadership position always take great pride in is the way our community responded. It's pretty incredible to watch just how people are helping those who are now homeless and families that are going through very difficult situations. Very difficult situations after something that's almost incomprehensible to most people that we would have had the equivalent of 35 inches of snow in a half an hour. Wow! And. Um, there are still people recovering. We hear constantly of more and more uh, problems, and the Chesed organizations are all working overtime. People should help them, especially as we're coming now to the Um Tovim, the people who, uh, whose houses are maybe not habitable or will need assistance at least over the short period. So we should all realize how much this, how many people were impacted. That don't make headlines. And the episodes where people uh, jumped into action to literally save people who were uh, almost going to be drowning, uh, literally, uh, because of the situations they were in, in buildings and cars, etc. I mean, the rescues were just so unbelievable and amazing. And of course, as we get closer to the beginning of the brand new year and the day of judgment, we think about uh, how precarious our lives are. And with all the craziness going on, Malcolm, and everything we discuss on a weekly basis we have to be thankful to the one above if we simply wake up in the morning and we're safe and sound. That's why we say Moda'ani, and the people who dismiss it really should rethink it, that there were people who got up that morning. Yeah. Maybe some of them didn't heed the warnings or didn't know of the warnings, and uh, we take uh, too much for granted. I don't even know. You know, People are, are inclined, I guess rightfully so, uh, to blame public officials, but I mean, this was, you know, th- there, come, there comes a point where things are so out of hand, weather-wise, where I don't know if you could blame anybody, frankly, but I don't know, maybe they things should have been more, um, uh, 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 maybe people should have had further, no- uh, better notice in advance, or things should have been prepared differently, but this, I think, was just such a an exception. I can't imagine that uh, anyone really uh, could be held accountable for it, but I guess the feeling is that someone's got to be held accountable for it. So there's no avoiding that. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that uh, this past year and two years almost about COVID and about who was prepared, who wasn't, what reports were, were accurate, not accurate. That's but right. we're dealing with human beings, and there are, there are a lot of frailties, but there also should be accountability. Yeah, I hear that. Speaking of safe and sound and accountability, how did the uh, community leaders' meetings with the NYPD and other police personnel go this week. After all, Monday is Erev Rosh Hashanah, and many people are concerned about uh, our synagogues and institutions. What can you tell us? Well, NYPD has always been at the forefront, uh, I think, nationally, 
uh, as well in preparedness, focusing on the Jewish community's needs, uh, assigning extra cars during the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and being sensitive to incidents that occur. Sometimes we've had um, cases where police were seen as not being responsive or concerned about not being responsive, but the brass has always been that way. The new commander for the Brooklyn South is himself Jewish, but very sensitive, knowledgeable about the community. It's remarkable how much they know and how many events they came to for both in, in the aftermath of Haiti and, and in the Jewish community and the uh, raising money for victims of the flood. But more importantly, coming and communicating and talking to them about the special needs and, and interests. It's a community that is based supports police at a time when so many are trying to undermine that, and that destroys the confidence both of the police and in police, which is very unhealthy for society, and we pay the price, and they're dealing under the circumstances of the revolving door justice, which is not anything in their control when they make an arrest, and before they're back to the station, the perpetrator is already out, and it frustrates them and disincentivizes them. So we remain very supportive, and where there are problems, they have to be addressed, but addressed intelligently. Certainly the the fact that the commissioner all the way down the line ha, um, have been open to the community, visiting the community, hearing from the community, and doing briefings before uh, the holiday, all the holiday periods, and that's in large part res- the responsibility of R- Richie Taylor, Taylor uh, who has done a really great job, and guys like... Uh, like Ira Jablon and, and others who have, you know, worked from inside the, the department to build those relationships. Um, you, you make such an important point that I think needs to be emphasized, uh, and I don't know how many people outside of this country who are listening understand what's going on here. Uh, the relationship between police and so many communities over the last couple of years have become so frayed. Uh, I'm glad to hear it sounds like what you're saying is that they understand that our community are among the few supporters, that our, that our community are among the few that they can rely on uh, for support and encouragement during these very precarious times for them. Well, look at their relationship overall with Hatzalah, with Shomrim, with the other entities in the community, and they uh, work together, they respect them. They look the the recent case with Yosef and how the community responded, which was amazing and, and remarkable, but uh, the cooperation and the praise they got then from the police, who look to work with the community, don't have the resources necessarily all the time to do everything. And um, as I said, I think the more understanding, then when there are problems, they can be more readily addressed. Yeah, no question about it. All right, let's hit the international scene a little bit. You know what's been happening over the last two weeks. The United States has... Uh, um, has uh, behaved in a manner that has uh, caused criticism from other world leaders and uh, from many around the world, and of course many in the United States as well. I'm referring to the uh, uh, the pullout from Afghanistan, which is now apparently complete at this point. Um, do you think that the United States is in fact suffering a bad reputation from this episode, and can they rebound from it? Um, I mean, the pullout is over. There are a lot of people who don't feel it was complete, but the, uh, the United States is no longer operating in, in the country and in the airports. Um, it's very hard not to argue that there was a reputational damage, an undermining of confidence, a reevaluation on the part of many of our allies and countries 
in the region and beyond uh, in light of what they saw. Uh, and it doesn't, matter, doesn't depend on whether the decision was right or wrong. Presidents wanted to get out of Afghanistan for a long time. I think it's more about how it was done and what the follow-up will be. Will we, will we talk about aiding the Taliban, who are a terrorist organization? What will they do regarding the uh, with, with their relationship with Iran? What they, will they do regarding Russia? Malcolm, Malcolm, I got to ask you to, I don't know, maybe, maybe switch where you're standing with your phone because we're just breaking up every second. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Is this better? Much better. All I did was turn. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think I've become an antenna that that there are broad ramifications, both geopolitically. Afghanistan is strategically an important country, even if it itself is not a vital state in most people's estimations. But the opportunity now for mischief, the opportunity to what they will do to uh, dispose of, sell, sell, or otherwise um, uh, use the weapons that they have inherited, billions of dollars in weapons, which could end up in the hands of Hamas, Hezbollah, who praised them and who they identify with, um, certainly Iran. Uh, and the, the ramifications could be many when we, you know, that there are supposedly a trillion dollars in resources inside um Afghanistan mineral resources and others that can be exploited, and we know that China exploits any kind of mineral resources, particularly energy, but others will as well. So the question is what the next steps will be. How will we uh, assure that we can contain um, the the Taliban? And right now they're still fighting, by the way, inside the country against uh, opposition forces, which include ISIS and uh, other groups. Uh, and they haven't pacified the whole country yet. They will, ultimately, I think, but there is serious fighting going on. And yesterday, supposedly, there were quite a number of Taliban killed in uh, some of those uh, clashes. So it's, a, it's, it's, every, it's an unstable region with this added element of instability and the reputational damage is very important. When we see you know, ir- uh, countries like Saudi Arabia reaching out to, to, to Russia, when there are joint exercises, supposedly Russia, China, and Iran doing a joint military exercises, but others as well, and you see Egypt buying airplanes from Russia, it tells you that there that these there are ships that they're looking in multiple directions that they need to be reassured, and um, there's always levels of uncertainty because we can't meet everybody's requests and everybody's needs. But the United States and Israel had joint exercises this week, naval exercises. There is still strong commitment. We still have a, a presence. And we have to now show that we will stand by our friends and uh, sometimes maybe look aside from some of the difficulties that we have in our relationships and act to reaffirm them now. The uh, Just back to the pullout for a second, it, it, it was just so haphazard. It looked like there was no plan. It looked like nobody had prepared properly uh, to to actually leave in an organized fashion. Just the way that the equipment was left there, the way that the dogs were left there, the way that it, it just seemed like you know, they literally decided, you know, one morning to get out, and they were told to get out as soon as possible. Why, after all these months, couldn't there have been a more organized effort, a real strategic plan to at least conduct this? the right way. I don't know if it would have changed the possibility of the Taliban taking over the entire country, but at least the U.S. would have left 
with the out with with their own allies and citizens who deserve to leave. All valid questions. I don't know. I'm inside the planning process, and um, you know, this is a process that Trump initiated as well, and others had talked about wanting to get out. Um, how we could have left behind some of the equipment that we did, these light attack aircraft and things, is, is all are all questions. I'm sure that will be subjects of congressional hearings in the in the coming future, and certainly of public criticism because it'll be very visible. You know, there were parades. Uh, in uh, Kandahar and other places of the military equipment, which is um, sort of, you know, rubbing it in in America's face and and of concern to those in the region. Iran, of course, applauds it, but they have to be concerned also. This across their border. These are Sunni radicals, they're Shiites, and they were employing these people from Afghanistan in Syria. They were the people fighting. It's Pakistanis, Afghanis, others. They don't send Iranian soldiers to fight. So now the question is how that all will, will continue. Uh, Iran has reached out to them. and Iran is, is pledging support to them and, and to help. But I, I have to think that there is a, another side that is looking at this askance. Well, I wonder, you know, I mean, Iran is a neighbor of Afghanistan. I wonder if they'd rather have the Taliban in charge there or would rather have U.S. armed forces in charge, because I always looked at Afghanistan as a, a, a natural place for the U.S. to launch attacks against Iran if necessary. And I'm sure they, I'm sure that the uh, uh, the the U.S. foreign policy experts, you know, felt the same way. This was the the real only presence that the U.S. has in the entire region, right? Well, we do have presence in uh, in the Gulf. We have presence in other areas, but we had a military presence. Right. Uh, and, and it was oh, it wasn't that big most of the time, and it's like the military presence in Iraq or Syria where you have a thousand, two thousand soldiers, but those that small amount. We only had a couple thousand there now, that but that was the tip the balance in terms of the of the situation. People don't want to take on the U.S., and as long as we had the, that presence there, we could um, at least monitor the situation and also. It has to be an opportunity for collecting intelligence on Iran. Now, of course, we have satellites. We have many other ways to do it mm-hmm. and collect information. But certainly being on the border and having people who cross back and forth uh, was very important. So Iran would rather have it this way or the old way? They'd rather have the U.S. there or they'd rather have the Taliban take over? One of the things Iran wants is stability on its borders because it, it invites instability in its borders. And remember, Iran has a lot of neighbors, and they, it's why they're so sensitive to what happens in Azerbaijan and other countries, because you've got 30 million Azeris. You have Afghanis living in uh, Iran and Iranians living there. But they, I think that they are, their interest is in order to continue their mischief and to do what they want. They don't want to have to worry about the situations on their borders and people crossing in, et cetera, and out. So I think that uh, they probably prefer knowing having the Americans there, even if they're collecting intelligence, right. uh, than having a, an unstable situation. The U.S. Uh, military equipment ends up being what? Used, stolen, destroyed, sold? What's going to end up? Probably all of the above. That's a pretty good list. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can, if you anybody's interested in buying a slightly used tank or Humvee or something, uh, there were parades of them, literally right. parades of them. See the equi- and if you look at the statistics of what they claim we left behind, and nobody's disputed it because it comes from American 
official sources, it's it's astounding. And the danger is, does, does this stuff end up in the hands of Hamas, Hezbollah, other terrorist groups uh, in Yemen? And, uh, uh, you know, 600,000 rifles and guns and, and uh, night vision goggles, which are very significant. It's, these are all capabilities that they didn't have before. Does it end up in Russian hands for cash? It ends up both um, China, Russia, others will want to reverse engineer anything that they haven't seen or captured before. And uh, then they replicate it. Certainly the Chinese have proven very adept at that in other spheres. And uh, do they, they certainly want to have material. The problem is now, if there's a clash in the future, you're going to have guys wearing the same uniforms, the same everything as the people, as the Americans that they are fighting. Because they have all, all of these, um, you know, mil- the, the our soldiers' uh, clothing, and et cetera. So that's a kind of side thing that nobody would even think about but that a military analyst mentioned to me. So it, yeah, it's think, a very big problem that this stuff could, can proliferate through the region, and I'm sure there are a lot of guys who, who will take it and try to sell it to whoever they can. And I guess it's just too much to either destroy or alter, I guess. But I think it's one way to protect our schools. We should buy as much of the <laughs> and many of the tanks as possible and just park them outside. We'll put an end to the... Well, you're alluding to the fact that you may have a connection to the Taliban. I mean, could you arrange this deal or not? Uh, I have no connection to to the Taliban. <laughs> okay. The way you were tossing I that out. I disavow anything of that kind. I would guess so. Malcolm Holmline with us, of course. Uh, so the Prime Minister of Israel comes to Washington. Oh, before I leave Afghanistan for now, let me do this before we get to Washington. Uh, so I didn't realize until I read it this morning, uh, I thought Ghani, the president of Afghanistan's location, was unknown. Apparently he's in the UAE? Yeah, no, that was known. He does went that, right away to the UAE. Yeah, well, it was unknown to and, me. But, you know. <laughs> but th- does that ruin the UAE's reputation at all? Like, is, is... No, 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 no. no. He, he, they gave him a refuge. That's all. That's a humanitarian thing. Um, but you know that there were reports, and they allegedly show pictures. But again, we don't know, and people shouldn't judge that everything is true. We saw supposed parades also of American military equipment being trucked into Iran that somebody, people in Iran were putting out. But there's no, we don't know that that's really true. That could be purely a propaganda thing to try and embarrass the U.S. or whatever, uh, even though it's certainly plausible. When he left, there were reports that they found huge amounts of money in the presidential palace and uh, grounds. You know, we have we, we spent a billion dollars on the American compound, and uh, what we left behind there, we don't know. You know, they, they did destroy documents, I know, for days before the um, the exit, so hopefully the, we weren't, we didn't compromise anything uh, further there. But he it was known when he left right away, and he was given safe haven there, so I don't think it, it in any way is a negative impact for UAE. And will he be held accountable for anything? Or, oh. I mean, there's no reason to, right? I mean, he's, again, like you just said, he's basically uh, seeking political asylum, and he's gotten it, and that's the end of it. And uh, even but when, but when he left, it did demoralize the troops. It did have a lot of people say, oh, the thing is over, yeah. and they did not resist more. I would imagine that the U.S. armed forces were also, you know, pretty upset that he took that course of action. Um, I'm sure he, they he, were. he abandoned everybody essentially. I mean, maybe he had no choice to save his own life, but he abandoned. I mean, I would assume that if he was in the palace when the Taliban got in there, he wouldn't have survived the visit. I get that, but uh, you know, you always wonder. 
you know, captain goes down with the ship. You know, <laughs> there's a certain way, there's a certain code of ethics among heroes. This was not a heroic act. This was a pretty cowardice act. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever described him as a heroic figure, mm-hmm. um, even before this. And it's a thankless job being the president of uh, of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. But, but um, they sometimes have had colorful people in that position. Anybody I would have remembered? Is there a name that was pretty well known? Karzai. Yeah, I think I remember that one, yeah. Remember he came in the, in the nice robes and yeah, everything. Yeah, I remember that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachoMusical.com and the NachoMusical Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Our final weekly update of 5781. Imagine that, everybody. Naftali Bennett, the prime minister, comes to Washington. Uh, there were those in Israel who were who, who would have preferred if he wouldn't have visited Washington now. Uh, then this whole thing happened with Afghanistan, and some seem to indicate that this episode might give him a little leverage because now he can you know, show the president. I don't know what happened in these private meetings. Maybe you've heard something about those meetings. Uh, but now he could show the president you know, what happens uh, when, when U.S. forces or his forces or any responsible forces leave an area or let go of you know, power in a certain area. Uh, in the end, was it beneficial that Naftali Bennett came to meet Joe Biden? I think we have to say yes, that, uh, that he handled it well. There were no gaps, there were no um, clashes and whatever, and the agreement that they would deal with things quietly is something that I think is important. Um, and when there are disagreements, they'll deal with it. But I think the, the, you know, the Prime Minister of Israel and the President of the United States need to have a personal relationship in at least the sense that they can talk to one another because there are things that come up all the time, and it's really critical. You saw with Netanyahu's relationship with Trump how important that was in previous cases as well uh, over the years of Israel's existence, which two years will be 75 years, and wow. the, um, the, uh, the visit um, enabled them to, to show the world that Israel is in a special place, being amongst the first, uh, if not the first foreign leader to be received the president of Ukraine, also came this week right. and met with him. The, the, uh, so it was a message from both sides, and both sides wanted to send this message of, of of the the U.S. Israel relationship is alive and well. I think both wanted to show that they're not BB. That this is a new era. Um, they they both recognize the frailties that each of them has. I mean, in terms of the public standing, and uh, Bennett has six seats in the Knesset. Uh, and although they passed the budget this week, which was a huge achievement, not fully. It's the first of three votes, but it vote passed by a big margin. Uh, has to be recognized as an achievement. Most people didn't think the government would last until the next morning, the next month. We still don't know how long it will, but this is very reinforcing, and the public image is very important in the region that the the, the, um, Jerusalem-Washington corridor is still open and still significant, and that those who want good ties should have good ties with with Israel and the, Israel can facilitate a lot of stuff. This, this is not a knock on Bibi because uh, generally he represented us, and because, of course, when you're a prime minister of Israel, you're the number one representative of the Jewish people as well, we always think, and I think that's true. Uh, but to his credit, Naftali Bennett, I mean, uh, sitting there with a the yarmulke, which, of course, he wears all the time, and the uh, uh, the fact that he was uh, quoting that week's Haftorah and the way he presented himself, I, I thought uh, it gave Jewish people around the world great pride, and he represented us really well. It was heartwarming to see, uh, you know, pictures of uh, 
of uh, of Friday night service that were taken that he was involved with. All the all these things, I think, are you know are are small Menachem Begin type steps that are very important to Jews around the world. Well, to show pride as a Jew, but Netanyahu certainly represented that yeah, as well 100%. in his way. And uh, uh, times put on a yarmulke to, to sure. say things. Uh, we saw at the Abraham Accord signings the the fact that um, prime ministers periodically, uh, you know, demonstrate and 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 see themselves as Bennett does and as Netanyahu did as the prime minister, not just of the state of Israel, but its responsibility to to world Jewry. Uh, Isaac Herzog said it about his presidency in Israel, it's also for dealing and representing world Jewry, and that sure. is true. 100%. And it, it, and I, but, I, but I think that the, um, you know, that it was carried off with dignity. People were looking for gaffes. People were looking for all sorts of stories that somebody sleep, that somebody not sleep, whatever. The fact is that during a week when they would have had many excuses not to have the meeting, the meeting took place. It came off well. They, they, they have... It exposed differences between them, but also compositions. The, they did not press uh, the consulate issue right now. They raised it. They raised about this expansion of settlements, but these did not become then-run issues, which ended up in clashes or intense um, things. Bennett, uh, Bennett's statement that, that uh, uh, you know, against the Palestinian state, the fact that uh, Lapid changed his position about the consulate in Jerusalem and came out against it um, reflect the fact that they are trying to make it work, the government work, and to make the U.S.-Israel relationship work. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere, maybe in a New York Times article, that there's an issue, there's a friction now between Israel and the United States, and therefore Bennett and Biden, about the covert operations that Israel has conducted against Iran. Now, I, I, I don't ever remember any public condemnation of Israel when it was suspected that they carried out one of these missions. Is there, are there problems behind closed doors? There are differences of view about it, and, and the, um, the issue, you know, obviously is raised because Israel would like to see the United States do more, and we want to know whether they're willing to carry out uh, some of the covert activities, intelligence operations, etc., or support Israel if it feels the need. I think that the one of the conclusions may have been that Israel will do what it deems necessary, that the United States is not going to initiate, but more importantly, will they be there to support and to the replenishment, for instance, of the Iron Dome, a uh, billion dollars worth of equipment to replace the rockets and uh, the that are defensive against the thousands of rockets that Gaza fired, and we're likely to see an escalation there. We've seen some already. People should not think that this is over. They have there's every reason to believe that they're going to continue to escalate the demonstrations, both on the border, the balloons, but more importantly, firing of rockets and. Um, that let alone, of course, what Hezbollah has. So getting that as a public declaration and a commitment is an important message to the region and obviously very important for Israel. Uh, Iran does remain. There, is, there are differences still, but I think the, the Iranians are writing the script and saying that the, now that they won't come back till November, December, maybe even 2022, uh, that their demands are going to change. The Raisi's government, which in, includes two of the people charged with the deaths of the people in the Amiya in, in Argentina, uh, if you remember, which took the lives of 85 people. Uh, uh, two of them are, are now members, cabinet members of the uh, government. This is a, a very radical uh, regime. Not that 
there's a much of a difference from the previous regimes, but it's more open. It's more like Ahmadinejad than Rouhani. The uh, foreign ministers of Iran is already in Syria now and pledging all sorts of joint efforts at a time when Iran has doubled its presence in Syria near the Israeli border over the last few years, according to recent studies. And the the um, uh, role that Iran plays is very large in, inside uh, uh, Syria. So for you know, we can go country by country and talk about what is happening and, and the implications of so a, a strong demonstration of strength between the United States and Israel, like the maritime exercises that took place this week. Each of those things sends a message to the region that is very important. Yeah, I get that. Um, the um, the conversation at the White House last Friday. Uh, when it focused on Iran, the president went out of his way to talk about diplomatic channels before any other type of activity. But then I'm reading all these analysis articles, all these opinion pieces from Israel that say that Iran is about to pass a very important threshold, a very important hurdle on its way to nuclear weapons. So is the is the diplomacy route too late at this point, or am I just, you know, or, 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 or are some people under the impression that they're very close and in reality, it might be much further away. I can say that people who are very knowledgeable and involved don't give it more than a, a chance of one in four that, the, that it will lead to an understanding. The problem is that they're talking now of switching to a step-by-step approach, which means minimal things. So Iran will do very little, but will get some sanctions relief. And we know that that is incremental, and it, it, uh, I think it's a very detrimental uh, approach because Iran will just take advantage of it, and they're not going to improve the circumstances. They're not going to dismantle anything. They haven't. We know that they lied all along. They are enriching way beyond the level they're supposed to. They're stockpiling much more than they're supposed to. We know that there are facilities that are not being inspected. So Iran has moved ahead. They take advantage of, of the West, and even France and Germany you know, are pressing them to go back to the table, but are expressing concern, and the fear is that it's too late. Iran... Uh, because the price of oil has gone up and they're selling oil to uh, send ships to Lebanon. We have to see what will happen with that. It's a very delicate and uh, serious situation in and of itself. But also they had a ship that went supposedly to Syria this week for transshipment to to Lebanon. Uh, They're selling to the Chinese much more, and the price of oil haven't gone up. The the pressure is a little less on them, even though their economy is still in ruins. and, you know, that they found that the delaying in, in um, Vienna, what the talk says, doesn't cost them anything. We don't put additional sanctions in the meantime. We have some, but not related to, to that. And we, we really have to just be very tough. And especially after the situation in Afghanistan, we have to show them that we're prepared to stand by a word. Unfortunately, we have very few allies to rely on. But one of them is Israel. Do you think behind closed doors the prime minister told the president it's too late for diplomacy? Of course, they have Israel long has had no faith in it. He became to Congress because of it. And, I know, but when uh, you hear publicly that this is the route he wants to take, he could have avoided it completely instead of saying that publicly. I mean, he says well, it publicly. Yeah, it's not just us who are hearing it. You know, the Iranians are hearing it also. Right, and that's a message, and they want to send a message that that to try to preempt or prevent or deter Iranian session. Uh, why? Why are those scientists eliminated. Why are, are those work accidents in the places to set it back? It also sends a message that yeah. they know what's going on. They know who they are and where they are. And 
they pay and they will pay a price it's hard for them to recruit nuclear scientists because of it and the um, you know so the stance that Israel has taken has been very consistent because diplomacy only gives them more opportunity and gives them a chance to expand their aggressive behavior supporting terrorist organizations. They're more limited in the money they can give because their economic condition is not the same, but it doesn't stop them from uh, sending huge shipments of, uh, of weapons to others and to continuing their disruptive activities, and, and this includes in South America as well, and they're selling oil to Venezuela uh, and to other countries in South America. Oh, boy. Uh, how's the most vaccinated country in the world having so many cases of COVID? Well, they have a very good reporting system, and, uh, you know, with the children going back to school, it was inevitable that the, the case numbers, caseload would, would rise. The, um, and there are a significant number of serious cases, but nothing like before. Right. And the death toll has not increased uh, like we saw it uh, six months ago, a year ago. So, the, um, you know, they, they thank God they are handling it, but they're being very restrictive. And unfortunately, we all pay a price that we can't go to Israel. But I think nobody wants to see the illness spread or continue to spread, and there talks of more variants of it. Israel, uh, as a small country, has to take whatever preemptive steps, and Netanyahu certainly did it by getting the vaccinations, um, Bennett and the government continuing that practice. A lot of people with uh, their third vaccine already. A lot of people with third vaccine, and we'll have to find out exactly how much how those statistics are impacted. But with Israel, you have such good record-keeping because of uh, the um, – uh, insurance associations and stuff where most almost right. everybody belongs, like Klal, et cetera. So they have very good statistics, and that's why the drug companies like to deal with Israel, because they can get feedback immediately about the effectiveness of the drugs. Malcolm, what if this thing doesn't go away for years? Hasid Shalom, we got to pray that it, it will at least become like the flu and that we will it will get controlled. But when enough people are inoculated, the problem is around the world, people are not it's only a very small percentage that have actually been inoculated so far. Yeah, but it seems and, most people are vaccinated months later. They have no antibodies anyway. Right, but I'm saying that the it, for the virus to spread, according right. to scientists, you got to try and limit the hosts that they, where they can, and eventually it, it, it diminishes itself. Yeah. But the fact is we have more question marks than we have answers, and everybody, every day you get a new estimation by scientists about what the what is going on it's it's very troubling for people i understand it but people shouldn't be skeptical they see the new study that masks do make a difference and so what is it such an imposition that when we're in closed situations that for people to wear a mask we, we have to do something to prevent this it's it's uh, we paid a heavy price already yeah that's for sure uh, it's going to be a nostalgic weekend for me. This coming Monday is the uh, completion of my 38th year behind this microphone. And Malcolm, as I turn to you for our message for 5782, I'm saying to myself, you know, in all these decades, I think 40 years ago, we were wondering if the world's going to survive everything it's going through. And I think today we're wondering if the world is still going to be around as we uh, get into the year 5782. What are your feelings as we embark on the brand new year? 
Well, one thing is I think we, we should be careful not to take it lightly. We saw the FBI report this week that shows that American Jews are the top target for hate crimes, even though they claim the number of hate crimes is diminished. But it's also because hundreds and hundreds of police departments didn't report the statistics. And you have, I think, 60 places with over 100,000 people that reported zero hate crimes, which is which is not possible and not not uh, realistic. So the... Uh, the, the situation did not get better during Corona. We know that, in fact, inspired more anti-Semitic stuff. We're going to be facing a very hot year on the campuses. Remember last year we had bad BDS stuff and things going on, but most campuses were, were working remotely this year. If they move back on campus, we can expect even bigger challenges. So I don't make light of, of uh, the more alert we are to things, the more we take them seriously, the better we will be in responding. I see many more serious efforts now to address anti-Semitism online in communities, to improve security. There are wealthy people standing up to the plate for the first time in the way that in, in significant numbers to to uh, underwrite um, these efforts. So it's, it's very important. But, you know, we read this week that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us um, in the coming weeks, especially as we finish uh, Torah, the all these parshios are really guides for life. But the bottom line is to choose life. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. Yom Kippur, we go there, we, we, we repent for what we did because we're choosing life. We want the next year to be better for us, for everyone. We pray in the plural because it's not just about us. We know that, that even if we can survive, if we don't survive with others, with our, the ones we love, with our communities, if they're in danger, then our lives are not secure. And um, I think that, that after this year of COVID, I hope people realize how important our lives are, that the things you take for granted, uh, that somebody was mocking the idea of saying Modani, and I told them that after this year, anybody who doesn't appreciate it in the morning when you get up and that you're feeling well and you don't have all the um, challenges that have come to people, countless numbers of people, that we not take it for granted anymore, that we really appreciate it. And when we pray with this Rosh Hashanah, we have this in mind, that we pray for ourselves, we pray for our communities, uh, families and communities, and for Israel and for Jews everywhere who are face, going to face very serious uh, uh, challenges in the year ahead. And there's every reason to be optimistic. There's every reason to believe that this could be a much better year, but it depends on us. If we do our part, then that will be the case. But Baruch is ready to do it for us. I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy, healthy, and sweet new year, and we should have what you just described, uh, peace, health, and prosperity in the brand new year. Amen. And we'll continue for another, what, three decades, four decades? Please, God. I hope I'm only halfway done, believe me. (laughs) You have no no idea. You'll be well done before it's over. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Trust me, that's an assurance I'm going to take to the bank. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays with a weekly update here at JMDM. Our next weekly update will be uh, in advance of Yom Kippur uh, one week from today on the 10th of September. Uh, And then uh, after Yom Kippur, the day after, we likely will have a weekly update. And then uh, Cholomoid Friday. I'm just going through the whole September here. Uh, Cholomoid Friday. Likely not. But you know what? We'll keep you up to date. You'll know exactly what's going on here. At JMNAM. Arab Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim, candle lighting at 704 in New York. 
Monday is Erev Rosh Hashanah, Labor Day, and we'll be here, and I hope you'll be here. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app, for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Someone on the app asked about the study that masks work. First of all, I, don't, I can't imagine how masks don't work, frankly, because um, people in communities that wear masks all the time you know, usually have less colds and less flu and all that stuff. But anyway, that's just anecdotal. I ain't no doctor. Uh, But if you want to know about the study about the masks, I happen to have it right here. Uh, Go to um, newsnationnow.com, newsnationnow.com slash health. They have an article that says masks reduce COVID-19 infections in largest real-world study to date. Again, it's newsnationnow.com. And that's where that most recent study is. Um, yeah, I mean, did I discuss Biden falling asleep? Um, no, I, I mean, we. Did, I, I think that Malcolm mentioned that there are people arguing about whether people fell asleep in that meeting. Personally, I don't think he was sleeping, but the bigger bigger problem is that it's impossible to tell if he's sleeping or not, and that may be the bigger problem than whether he fell asleep during one individual meeting at the White House. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. And by the way, Rabbi Yudin will be on Monday to speak about Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Yudin will be on Monday, 8.15, to speak about Rosh Hashanah. Um... Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Nitzavim. Pashas Nitzavim has the distinction of being one of the shortest parshios in the Torah. There are in Pashas Nitzavim 40 Psukim. Next week, Vayelech is even shorter, with 30 Psukim. And according to the Chinuch, there are no mitzvos contained in Pashas Nitzavim. That doesn't mean it's not an incredibly powerful parsha. You could perhaps argue with me and say, what do you mean no mitzvos? After all, this is the second bris covenant that Am Yisrael is entering into with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The first one at Sinai, and the second one now here, right before B'nai Yisrael enter the land of Israel with Yehoshua. And one of the primary differences being that the first one, it was given to two million plus individuals at Sinai, but individuals. What does that mean? Each person was obligated to keep Shabbat. Each person was obligated to keep kosher. Now, aside from the individual obligation, you have the whole halachic concept of arvus, whereby one Jew is literally responsible for another. So I blow shofar, okay? And I blew the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. So I have fulfilled my mitzvah. But, listen carefully, if my neighbor could not be in shul, if I'm exhausted and I can't blow, okay. But if I still can blow the shofar, and I don't, says the ritva in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, 
that I did not fulfill my mitzvah, as long as there is another Jew. Now, do I have to spend the entire day of Rosh Hashanah knocking on doors? Did you hear? Did you hear? I don't believe I have to go that far. But on the other hand, this very important concept of arvus, which means, once again, responsibility one for another, which has very interesting halachic um, results as well, is found in the beginning of Parshas Nitzavim. The very first Pasuk, Hatem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem, you are all standing Hayom today. What is this today? So the literal translation is, the Pasuk is talking about, as Rashi understands, Shekinsam Moshe, Moshe gathered them before Hashem, literally on the day of his death, Lachnisam the bris, to enter them into this second covenant right before the going into Eretz Yisrael. That is the Pasha Pshat. The Zohar learns that in addition, ooh, it's not by chance, every year on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, we read Parshas Nitzavim, which is telling us, on Rosh Hashanah. Now, even though the word Hayom means today, it could mean in addition, the day, please God, coming this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, this coming, yes, Rosh Hashanah, Kulchem, you are all there as one. And as we prepare for uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Alta Mikelm says, this is coming to teach us a very important lesson, and that is as follows. We are, as we'll talk about the Rosh Hashanah, please God, this coming Monday, but we all are anxiously awaiting and preparing for Rosh Hashanah. What's the best way to prepare for Yom Adin? To make yourself a clown person. To make yourself a person who is very much an integral part of the Jewish community. Shevrabim Srichim Lo. A person that the community needs you. Ah, I'm an accountant and I contribute my time and effort to the local uh, yeshivos, to the local uh, base, and I help them, each person with whatever area of life they are, one that they excel in and they have a knowledge of, they use it for not just themselves, but for others. Such a person is a klau mensch, a person needed by the community. In addition, what you have in Parsha Sitzavim, beginning with chapter 30. Now, I'm just going to read for a few moments a few of these psukim at the beginning of chapter 30, and wow, it will be, says the Torah, that when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I have presented before you, then you will take it to your heart among all the nations where Hashem your God has dispersed you. Here it comes. Veshavta, chapter 30, verse, verse 2. Veshavta ad Hashem Elokecha. And you will return unto Hashem your God. Listen to His voice according to everything that I, Hashem, command you today. You and your children, with all your heart and all your soul, then Hashem your God will bring back your captivity. Have mercy on you. He will return and gather you 
in from all the peoples to which Hashem your God has scattered you. If your disperse will be at the ends of heaven, from there Hashem your God will gather you in, and from there He will take you. Hashem your God will bring you to the land that your forefathers possessed. You shall possess it. He will do good to you and make you more numerous than your forefathers. We pray that we are living in just that time now. When I grew up, the term six million meant only one thing, six million kedoshim. And thank God, the term today, six million, means that there are kenyirabu, more than six million Jews living in the land of Israel. That we have come to see what we pray is at least the beginning of this kibbutz Golios of the return of the exiles, of coming home to our beloved Eretz Yisrael. But now, let's go one step beyond. In this chapter 30, take a look at Shishi, everybody. Ki mitzvah this commandment that Hashem is commanding you, is not beyond you. It's not in heaven that you would say, how do I go up to heaven? And it's not beyond the sea, but rather, it's available to each and every individual in your mouth, in your heart, to do it. What mitzvah are we talking about? So, Rashi says we're talking at the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And thank God a million times in our day, what's happening, we see more and more Jews appreciating and understanding that they can't go a day without the study of Torah. The study of Torah is ultimately not just what teaches us what we are to do, but it literally kuchabricho, the oraisa, the Israel God, his Torah and the Jewish people are one. By studying parts of Talmud, and this is what, Baruch Hashem, those who are into the Dafyomi, but if you're not in, whatever you're studying, whatever you're learning, you are connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you are perfecting yourself, improving your character. So Rashi learns this mitzvah is the mitzvah of Torah. The Ramban and the Sapurno, they learn no. That verse 11 in chapter 30 is a continuation of the first 10 psukim. And as the first 10 psukim have been talking about shuva, repentance, so too says the Ramban, Kya mitzvah zos, this mitzvah of tshuva is not beyond you, and don't think that you cannot do it. No, the answer is yes, you can. Now watch. There is a very important Machlokes debate in the Gemara Sanhedrin 97b between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, and they argue over what is the role of tshuva, repentance, and the ultimate geula, redemption. Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion that they go hand in hand, meaning im Yisrael osim tshuva, nigolim. If the Jewish people will do tshuva, will repent, will come back and observe and get close to Hashem, then they will be privileged to be redeemed. But v'yamlav, God forbid not, 
they will not be redeemed. While Rabbi Yeshua says, no, no, he argues and says, no, that they're not um, bound together, Geula and Tshuva, but that the Geula will come even without Tshuva. Now, in this very important Machlokes comes the Rambam in chapter 7 of Hilchos Tshuva, Halacha Hei, and this is a delicious Rambam. I'm going to read it to you. The Rambam writes as follows, Kol kulam tzivu ala All the Nevi'im commanded and told the Jewish people to repent. And here it comes. Ve'en Yisrael nigolin elo And there will not be the redemption without Shuva. In this Machlokes, the Rambam sides and paskins like Rabbi Eliezer. Now here comes the most beautiful line I can share with you this morning. Ukvariftiha Torah. The Torah promised us Shesof Yisrael Lasos Chuva that in the end the Jewish people will do Chuva. Bisof Golusan at the end of their exile. Umiyad Hain Nigalin and immediately there will be the Gula. Shinemar and he cites the Psukim that I read to you before. And when it shall be in the beginning of chapter 29 that these events will come upon you. And Vishavta, I'm sorry, the beginning of chapter 30, Vishavta, as we saw in Pasuk Beis, Ad Hashem Elokecha Vishov, Hashem Elokecha, Hashem is going to go and, and gather you and bring you to Eretz Yisrael, etc., etc. Now listen very carefully. There are, as we know, 13 Ikorea Muna, 13 major principles of our faith, and the Rambam uh, lists them, and as they're found in many, many Sidurim, and many people recite them at the end of Davening every day. Firstly, that God directs this world, and number 12. I believe with perfect faith that the Mashiach is going to come. And even though he tarries, right? I await for him daily that he should come. Wait a second. How could we have that the Mashiach is going to come if his coming is dependent on the Jewish people doing tshuva, like the Rambam said. Without tshuva, there's no geula. So what does that mean? It means that his coming is dependent on the Jewish people repenting. So what did Salavachit say in one of his tshuva drushos? Such a beautiful, powerful idea that what it means, anima mim bemuna shlema beviyas mashiach it means anima min bevu bemuna shlema beklal Yisrael. I believe that klal Yisrael is going to do tshuva. Wow! And therefore, because klal Yisrael is going to do tshuva, then let's go slowly. There will be for sure the coming of Mashiach. 
So, listen carefully. The Gemara says at the end of Megillah, why are we reading Parshas Nitzavim? As a buffer, we just read the curses last week. Oy, oy, oy. Who wants to go into Rosh Hashanah just having heard the curses? So this Shabbos is a kind of buffer. Take a deep breath. Those curses are behind us. May the year end with all of its curses. Now listen carefully. Everybody understands that literally to mean Corona. Many, many, many will still be davening and only in an outdoor minion. The corona should please leave us. No question about it. That's the first thing of Tichle Shona Vakil And Tochel Shona, let the next year begin. We want to be in Shul. But that's only part of it. It's an optimistic statement saying that let the year with all its challenges and pessimism be behind us. And let there be optimism for the forthcoming year. It means that. We believe that each and every one of us can bring the Geula. How? Because each and every one of us can influence. And as we began with Arvus, we're going to end with that. Are responsible. And every day in the second bracha, before Shema Yisrael in the morning, what do we say? Hashem, help us. The same beinu lavin laskil, l'shmoa l'mol ulamed. Not everybody is a teacher. How am I going to be a teacher? But my honesty in business, my paying my bills on time, my language that I speak, which is only a nice, clean language, the fact that I act in a certain way, hopefully this is going to influence others, and that's our responsibility. Because anima mimimuna shlema means I am not only 100% convinced that there will be a Mashiach, I'm also 101% convinced that Am Yisrael is going to bring the Mashiach with its tshuva. Wow, what a way to go in to Rosh Hashanah. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Friday morning, JM in the AM. Hello, hello. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim. Candle lighting at 7.04 in the New York area. Final Shabbos of 5781. Could you imagine? And listen to this schedule we have for you. An amazing schedule. Today, just minutes from now, Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two. Naomi Nachman, brand new edition of Table for Two. Coming at you starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Naomi will have Bosch Boschnack from Bosch Meats, Yitzi Katz from Kosher GPS, and Devora Adler from Chesed 24-7. All with Naomi between 9 and 10. Video at NachumSiegel.com. Audio, of course, right here at the NachumSiegel Network following JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos show, uh, Mark Zamek, presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's at 10 a.m. Eastern time. The Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our final hour at 6 p.m. Eastern. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Monday, my 38th anniversary here at JM in the AM. Starts at 6 a.m. with uh, JM in the AM on a Labor Day era of Rosh Hashanah until 9 o'clock. And then we'll have the Mark Zomik holiday playlist because he's prepared <laughs> A special list of great liturgical songs from Rosh Hashanah and the Yamim Narayim that he's going to be presenting all day long. Honestly, there's no reason to touch that dial. All day Monday, spend it with us on Erev Rosh Hashanah. You'll be glad you did. All day today, Erev Shabbos, spend it with us. You'll be glad you did. No need to touch that dial. This coming Matzei Shabbos, tomorrow night, Deershu presents Vision and Inspiration, a riveting video cast featuring Gedola Yisrael addressing Kla Yisrael and its preparation for the Yamim Narayim, in addition to the Gedolei Yisrael and their presentations, the videocast program will feature inspirational Yamim Narayim Nigunim, footage from a recent trip to the Chavetz Chaim's Kever in Rodin, and a brand new music video by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. A comprehensive videocast premiering tomorrow night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, DeershoeCast.org. Again, DeershoeCast.org. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&A, Chables and Hyman, Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Reminder that our friends at uh, Karen Ashvias are collecting so that the farmers in Israel can take the year off and still be able to live. You're encouraged to give at KarenHashvias.org. KarenAshvias.org or by dialing 888-675-6694. That's 888-675-6694. I do remind you that there are a lot of people in our community in a lot of different areas of the East Coast, but I'm talking now about New York and New Jersey. There are a lot of people in great need after this week's storm. This week's storm was a historically devastating storm, and a lot of people are in need single friends and neighbors, single parents with children, families who've lost their homes, people who've lost relatives this week uh, in, in this uh, horrific episode. So please keep everybody in mind. It's our Elul Chesed campaign. Not that we wouldn't be encouraging this at any other time, but we've been encouraging people recently to pay careful attention to those in need, to do what we can to help those in very difficult and precarious situations. And here's our opportunity, our opportunity before Shabbos, whether it is a, uh, a physical uh, gesture that's needed 
whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's straightforward financial help that's needed, let's be there for our uh, friends and neighbors during this very, very difficult time. It is a, um, it is hard to believe how life changed for so many in such a short period of time. We're talking about 7.2 inches of rain, 7.2 inches of rain within hours in Central Park. Now, I don't even think it was raining uh, until 7, 7.30 on uh, Wednesday night. And then it was over with, I know this because I was up already, it was over with by 3, 4 a.m. So in the period of a few hours, we're talking about 7.2 inches of rain that fell in Central Park and has uh, caused so much havoc, even after the storm, with all the flash floods and with the water needing somewhere to go. uh, People again on Thursday, not just Wednesday night, but Thursday as well, ended up becoming uh, stranded, having their cars destroyed. Um, coming very close to uh, to um, losing their lives. I mean, uh, this was something that happened uh, a lot on Wednesday night because of the actual storm, and then again on Thursday because of the flooding that was being caused by it. So we ask everybody to be as generous as possible with time, with words, and with money for those who need it over the next few days especially going into Russia's sun. I remember Yuntov is Monday night. A lot of people in great need do everything in our power to uh, keep them in mind and to actually reach out and help them. They need something. Let's, let's figure out a way to get it to them. Um, that is, uh, that's my piece of advice and words of inspiration on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Spend the day 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and AlchemySingle.com and AlchemySingle Network. And, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing day and an amazing week here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Naomi Nachman, brand new, with an amazing roster of guests coming up next on Table for Two. At 10 a.m., it's Mark Zamek. Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at 6 p.m. Eastern brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's all happening. No need to touch that dial all day long. I've Rummy tomorrow night with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on Sunday. It's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And then Monday morning, our 38th anniversary at JM in the AM. Erev Rosh Hashanah Labor Day. Join me between 6 and 9 a.m. On Monday, and join Mark Zamek for the playlist <laughs> all through Monday. Perfect way to um, go into the brand new year with us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend until uh, Monday. Nahum Siegel reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.